the regenerated spirit is an awesome vision to help somebody know how do you explain to a person what is the difference from a lost to a born-again person? The scriptures start off with talking about the fall of man. Because when Adam and Eve walked in the garden, they were already what? Full of life. They were full of love. They were full of light. They were full of everything. They had everything God had wanted man to have. It's good to understand when you're helping somebody to explain, well, what is this vision? What is the regenerated spirit? And we're going to start off with a little bit of history. And we're going to start with Genesis 2.16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may freely eat of every tree of the garden. Now, is that awesome? He had freedom. Adam and Eve were walking in the fullness. It wasn't if they were able to, but it says the Lord commanded the man, saying, You may freely eat of every tree of the garden. All right, so... That's pretty free. We want to be that free, don't we? Where we don't have to worry about a job, where we don't have to worry about little nitty details. We just get to walk freely and pick fruit, run and skip. That would be the most, that's freedom. Genesis 2.17 says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and blessings and calamity, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. They were actually born to live in a garden, and they were actually allowed to have the veil, not knowing about blessings and calamity. They already lived in the complete blessing. They already lived in a complete wholeness. Genesis 3, 6 says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good, suitable, and pleasant for food, and that it was delightful to look at, and a tree to be desired, in order to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate. And she gave some also to her husband and he ate. We all understand the story of Adam and Eve. Is that correct? That the woman was deceived and that the man made a choice. And so the moment they broke the command of God, they got disconnected. All right. And so that's how we get into our time. And it says in Genesis 3.16, to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your grief and your suffering in pregnancy and the pangs of childbearing with spasms of distress. You will bring forth children, yet your desire and craving will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Where they were living free, there was a condition, something that they weren't supposed to do. When they chose not to do that, then they fell into a time all right, Genesis 3.17 says, Then to Adam, God said, Because you have listened and given heed to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. The ground is under a curse. Because of your in sorrow and toil shall you eat of the fruits of it all the days of your life. All right. So the beautiful thing is the fall of man. And I know everybody understands that position. When they chose to do what they weren't to do, then we got disconnected from God. The Lord came so we could get reconciled back to God. All right. And so one of the things that I didn't understand, which is why I love this vision, is because the resurrection, regenerated spirit is what Christ came and died for us to have, the Holy Spirit. He wants us to regain a wholeness in him. This vision is used to help you understand what the Holy Spirit is all about. 
you can hear the voice of God. It is called your intuition. But to mature it, we have to come into the communion, the worship of God. And then we develop what's called our conscience, which is a discernment, which we're going to break this down a little bit. The resurrection of man. Go to Galatians 3.13. Christ purchased our freedom, redeeming us from the curse of the law and its condemnation by himself becoming a curse for us. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree is crucified. We are helping people walk through tapping in and making sure that their spirit is regenerated and that they're tapping into the intuition of God instructing the Holy Spirit being our guide and being our teacher. In this verse, it's telling us that Christ purchased our freedom. He already wanted us to be reconciled back to God, but we had to go through him. When he gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit, now we have something to work with that is the guarantee of all truth. That's the guarantee that can guide us. It's the guarantee of our instruction that's going to work. Ephesians 2.1 says, And to you he made alive when you were dead, slain by your trespasses and sins. Now, Adam and Eve were the original what? The ones that sinned, okay? That brought us into that. But when Jesus came, he gave us the opportunity to have the Holy Spirit to be what? Resurrected back into that. But we have a void. We are born into an assembly of belief. And usually that belief connects to God. And some of those assemblies connect to Jesus Christ. We all are called into the kingdom of blessedness. And when he calls us, he's wanting to regenerate the spirit. And he wants to bring back alive what he purchased. People have a hard time understanding. I don't get what Jesus came for. Well, he came to bear all of our sins. He came to bear all of our sickness. He came to bring us back into a wholeness. In that wholeness, it's because the spirit that was void in us because of Adam and Eve and the fall of man now has become regenerated when we accept Christ in our heart and we confess that he said we start walking in faith. John 10, 27 says, the sheep that are my own hear and are listening to my voice and I know them and they follow me. Jesus said to know me is to believe in his truth. That is to know him, to believe in his commandments, to hear his voice, to follow him. All right. But it takes time for us to get to know him because we also are born into an assembly of an understanding that has a mixture of opinions. Sometimes we believe a lie and sometimes we believe the truth. Sometimes we believe a blessing and sometimes we believe a calamity. So we have a mixture going on that as we get developed, we have to learn how to what? hear his voice. We have to know how to know him and how to follow him. That's what discipleship is all about. We're learning how to follow him. So if you look on this chart, the first thing is intuition. God is speaking all the time through the spirit, through the Holy Spirit. We have to recognize that there is a difference from hearing God's voice than also hearing other voices. God is a spirit. John 4.24 says, God is a spirit, a spiritual being, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, the second ring around, how do you hear the voice of God? Well, you've got to get the other voices out. All right. So, you know, you've got this regenerated spirit. 
The Holy Spirit is called our helper. He is trying to get us to hear the voice of God. In this, we have to be able to know how to worship him. All right, that's communing with God. The word commune, you know, is to come together. And we're trying to come together as one. So what do we do? How do we communicate with God? We talk to him. We pray. We worship. We praise his name. But we have to come into an alignment of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. We have to be able to know so we can shut out all the other voices. It's awesome how when we commune with him, the purpose is to becoming one with him. Communion and becoming one, we do through prayer, worship, time with him. But one of the things that I have really learned in the the Episcopal Church was every Sunday we did what? Took communion. And before we took communion, we were supposed to go to confession. And we were to confess all our sins before we went and we would take the Holy Communion. But we had to grow up and go to a catechism class so you would be checked off the list that you were able to take communion. Other than that, it truly was, they didn't take catechism class. They shouldn't go up and take communion. Like, that's how it was. You would be nervous thinking somebody was judging you whether you made it through catechism class. I came in this ministry and learned first, there was a breathing Holy Spirit in me. And then second... I learned about the true meaning of communion. Denny does a great job teaching about communion. And when she teaches about it, I'm drawn to it. Because I didn't realize when we commune with him, one of the things we should really do is assess ourselves as we come into communion with him. All right. The Lord set up an order, a Godhead. God, Jesus, nobody gets to the Father except through the Son. And then we have to tap into the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. It says, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this to call me affectionately to remembrance. Before we can ever enter into hearing the voice of God, do you know we have to reverently connect with him? We have to call to him affectionately. Now think about this. If you want to be one with somebody, You're doing what to them? You're talking. You affectionately want to be in remembrance of them and them of you. It's a two-way going up and down. So communion is such an awesome process, something that's awesome, that he says, take this bread. Remember what I have done. Call to me affectionately to remember me. All right, because we're not the disciples that got to see Jesus. We get to know him from the inside out. So the communion is a way for us to get this alignment right. When supper has ended, he took the cup, also saying, this cup is the new covenant. It's a new way, ratifying and established in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it. Two, call on me affectionately to remembrance. For every time you eat the bread and drink of the cup, you are representing, signifying, proclaiming the fact of the Lord's death until he comes again. So when we think about communion, when we can get into this, examine myself, remember him with the bread, remember the new covenant of the blood, you are setting a zone where you're cutting out everything else around you because you're solely putting yourself in that column to affectionately remember him. And, you know, we have to talk about what is our love language? (laughs) Because if we're supposed to affectionately getting into a commune with him, 
you know what I mean? Everybody's going to do that in their way. Now he gave us a nice order, which is what we do. We respectfully do that. But we have to start loving him affectionately and calling on him in a way that he already knows how to communicate with us. He gave us a way to start our communion with him. And then we enter into prayer. And the beautiful thing is what we learn to truly wipe out the enemy is to do what? Worship. And the important thing is when we worship, we worship by what? Inviting in the helper, the Holy Spirit. To do what? Help shut out everything that we're hearing. And as we continue to press in through praise and thanksgiving, he says, enter my gates with praise and thanksgiving. Then a shift happens. You feel Jesus come and enter in. And it becomes a sanctification. And you feel things changing. You, you could feel burning up. You feel a change. As true worship sets in, the Father's presence des- descends. And in that presence, now you're in that holy place. And you're in a holy place where you're truly communing with him. He shows you things. Everybody has their experiences when they're in worship. But he shows you things. And so when you get into that level of worship of communion, you have now opened up another measure. So that's what communion does. It really starts to open up a wave for you to hear God speaking. All right, does anybody have any questions with that so far? You good? All right. The last ring is called the conscience and discernment. Now, you know what? I look at it like this. Here's my little intuition of God. When I worship him, another ring starts forming around me. All right? And if I continue pressing in and I start what? I want to start to discern what God has for me, not to discern what the world has for me. Then the ring grows. The more I stay in spirit, the more the ring expands. You ever get near a person and you can feel something off of them? You know, you can feel the spirit off of people when they worship. It says, we are the light. And you can see the light through the eyes. You can actually see the light in people through the eyes. So we get to a point where our conscience state actually changes. And we're not being conscious of the world. We're being conscious of the spirit. Please go to 1 John 3.18. Little children, let us not love merely in theory or in speech, but in deed and in truth, in practice and sincerity. All right, we have to seek God in that true sincerity. Our affection needs to be truth. Verse 19, by this we shall come to know, perceive, recognize, and understand that we are of the truth. And can reassure, quiet, conciliate, pacify our hearts in his presence. There comes a time when we're communing and breaking in. We become very what? Peace settles in. And you are resting in his presence. Because we are of the truth. We're created in the image of God. Verse 20 goes on to say, Whenever our hearts are in torment, self-accusation that make us feel guilty and condemn us, For we are in God's hands, for he is above and greater than our consciousness. There is a discernment and a conscience ring that God wants us to be able to walk in the beauty of that truth. For he is above and greater than our consciousness, our hearts. There is a discernment that we compare things, but we're comparing it to the world. If you're not worshiping and you're not praying and you're not spending time with God, you're not tapping into your helper or your counselor, you are discerning things of the world. There's a wisdom of the world 
And you know what? King Solomon always says the wisdom of the world does what? It's just vanity. It depresses us. In fact, I remember the first time I read Ecclesiastes. It's all about the wisdom of the world. He talks about the wisdom of the world a lot. And it always says, and it ends up in vanity. Because it says the only way to recognize any true wisdom is that he is above and greater than all what we can conceive. Our consciousness. There is a greater consciousness of discernment, and that is godly wisdom that he wants us to tap in. He knows, perceives, understands everything. Nothing is hidden from him. Isn't that awesome? So we tap into our Holy Spirit, and we worship, and we pray, and we commune, and we get ourselves into that holy place. It says in the Word that the devil has to what? Flee. And he says, nothing is hidden from him. So guess where do we want to be all the time? With him? When we are finished in the morning doing what we're called to do, and we go out into our workplace, you're sensing and knowing. And you know what? What we say to somebody else is so important. And you know, it's going to come out from our heart. And not just this heart, from the soul heart, because it's what produces what either the flesh is going to do, the worldly discernment, or it's going to produce what the spiritual discernment is. Go ahead to 1321. It says, and beloved. I like, we start off as little children, right? But we mature into the beloved. And beloved, if our consciousness, our hearts do not accuse us, if they do not make us feel guilty or condemn us, then we have confidence, complete assurance, and boldness before God. That is the test. If we are tapping into our regenerated spirit, which is full of light, he is telling us if we are his beloved, if our consciousness, if our hearts do not accuse us, that means you are not judging. You are walking in godly love. You are walking in godly wisdom. And you have a confidence that is a complete assurance and a boldness before God. This conscious discernment, God wants us to think and tap in to what he has for us. And see, sometimes when we walk out in this world, we are walking out and doing things that we are already judging how the situation is. And we're saying, okay, we'll do this. And have we even submitted it to him? How many people practice submitting everything that you think, everything that you say to the spirit, all right, to waiting on hearing God's voice? If we move from these rings down right to the center, God is always speaking. There is an intuition in every single person in everything that they do. There is a sensing. But if you're not communing with God and recognizing the oneness of that relationship and the value of being in a relationship, then you can't really consciously discern for him. It's in percentage. It's in measure. Because as the spirit keeps growing, as you keep what? Exercising it through worship and through prayer, there is a measure that that light it says the fullness of the light, it grows in you. And the more the light grows, you're not walking in guilt and condemnation. You're walking in a what? Confidence. You're walking in a boldness. You know, you have to be in the spirit to abide in this because we start figuring certain things out by worldly evaluation. But the Lord, if you ask, he said, if you ask for his wisdom, it says he'll do what? Give it to you liberally. If I can hear God's voice because I have the Holy Spirit and I've accepted Christ in my heart and I spend time with him and I worship him and I pursue him, it even says you must tarry for him. 
when you tarry for him, you get in a vein where you're going to hear something very clear. You're going to see something and you just know it. And you know what? And he helps you hold on to that. But he tests us. So our spirit grows in measure as we walk out from glory to glory. Our spirit grows in a measure. Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more surely shall the blood of Christ, who by virtue of his eternal spirit, his own pre-existence, divine personality, has offered himself as an unblemished sacrifice to God, purify your consciousness from dead works and lifeless observances to serve the ever-living God. He wants to mature us into that greatness of love so we can walk and do without anything holding us back. So the regenerated spirit is a way for us to help somebody understand, well, what does this kind of look like? Because it says you enter his gates by what? Thanksgiving, right? How do you commune with him? What's the first thing it says to do? Before you, before you take that bread, it says what? Give thanks, right? Because you built it up, staying in communion. The key ring, God is speaking to all of us. The spirit is being built. It's growing and it's pressing out the things that stop you from hearing, which is our hurts. It's our residue of unforgiveness, shame, and rejection. The communion is the key. You can't have good discernment unless you have good communion. And so this ministry teaches us to pray and to worship. But the one thing we teach is the best prayers are the ones that come out of worship. And when we hit, when the presence come down, the confession of his word will not come back void because it will do what it was set out to do because it's coming from the spirit. So we are growing in maturity because the more I worship and increase that little ring, when it starts to lift up, it blocks out all of darkness. So you can get yourself in a worship where you can hear so clearly, but when you're done, you're going to go back to wherever you were. I mean, so when we submit things to God, we need to be submitting to him in worship. He says he wants us to seek him, to inquire him and require of him. When he speaks, we commune, then we know how to consciously discern. And how do we know we're consciously discerning? In the word, it tells us we are bold. We come bold. We don't worry about anything else. It is a constant regeneration and a renewing as we get cleansed by the word. 